Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnor and Navya, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. For today's episode, episode two, we'll be diving into the portrayal of therapists in the media, specifically focusing on three films, Dear Zindagi, Goodwill Hunting, and Silver Linings Playbook. In this discussion, we will be addressing a couple of main themes. Uh, the big overriding one is the client-therapist relationship, and then we'll be looking a little bit at the structure of therapy. Yeah, we can start by providing a brief overview of each of the three films. So when we look at Dear Zindagi, this is actually a Bollywood film about a young woman who's struggling with various relationships in her life and ultimately seeking therapy to access some support. In Silver Lining's playbook, we have the main character, Pat, who is diagnosed with bipolar disorder, who was residing in a mental health facility, but now is transitioning back into his life, and he's also seeking therapy from a doctor who is managing his medications and supporting him in other roles as well. Lastly, we have Goodwill Hunting, where we have the main character, Will, who got into a fight with other individuals and was arrested as a result of that. He was bailed out by a professor at MIT who recognized his intelligence. Now, this professor set some conditions for his release, which included having weekly math studying meetings or sessions where he improves his mathematics and also meeting with a therapist on a weekly basis. All right, so now we'll move into our discussion of the films. So the first thing we wanted to look at were some client-therapist relationships and a lot of different variables within that. So one of them is transference, and this is a really interesting concept. It was actually first described by Freud, and it's a psychodynamic or psychoanalysis concept. And transference can be either positive or negative. But before we discuss transference, I wanted to just define it for you because it can be a little bit difficult to grasp. So transference occurs when a person redirects some of their feelings or desires for another person to an entirely different person. So in therapy, this can happen when a patient attaches anger, hostility, love, adoration, or a host of other possible feelings onto their therapist or doctor. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. That transference is when there's like feelings towards one person and now it's directed towards a therapist in our situation. And that's what we'll see in some of the films. Yeah, so with that definition, if we look at the first movie here, so Dear Zindagi, and this is a great example of transference, I believe, where towards the end of the film, spoiler alert, there was a moment when the main character, Kyra, was talking to her therapist, Jug, and she was saying that, hey, you know, now that our sessions are ending, if they could meet up beyond their sessions that they had organized, I think she actually asked specifically for coffee. And before even this happened, I remember, I think there was like some her dialogue that was shared throughout the movie where she was really relating her experiences of what she wanted from a relationship and relating it to her relationship with her therapist and how she really appreciated Jug and how she thought that he really understood her. So I think this is a prime example of how Kyra might have been experiencing transference where she's wanting to have this romantic relationship with other people but not finding that satisfaction in her life and then possibly overlaying those feelings to her therapist, Jug. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting how he sort of tackles the situation, right, and reacts to it, because that's just as important as noticing the transference itself. And I thought at least he was very casual about it. He didn't make a big deal. He didn't overreact to the point where now she's embarrassed. And he recognized that this is a very normal experience for people in Mm -hmm. therapy. It does happen. Thinking about, you know, the, the role that a therapist plays, they're there to support you. They really are there when you're vulnerable and going through some difficulties. And so naturally, people would feel a sense of affection or at least like their therapist, I would hope, right? And and some of that can feel a little bit more exaggerated for some people and less for others. But in Kyra's case, for sure, it seems like she didn't find a lot of satisfaction from a lot of the other significant others that she had. And so here, even through all of these other men that were in her life, her therapist was a constant. He was always there supporting her. And mm-hmm. she had fun with him too, which you can see in the movie, right? Like they had a really good time. So it was cool to see how he reacted and then quickly addressing that we do have certain boundaries and there are certain rules that we have to follow as a client and therapist. And another interesting thing that I was thinking of is that the therapist as a therapist is not who they are as a person necessarily, right? So you don't really hear too much about the therapist's own life and they're there in the role of a therapist. And so whatever you are sort of addressing those emotions towards isn't that person necessarily, but that role that they play in your life. And so hopefully eventually you can find someone who does fulfill that role, especially in the case of Kyra looking for a significant other or a partner. Yeah, and within those boundaries, there's also this idea of dual relationships that I think this touches upon very well, is Mm -hmm. when we look at CRPO, which we mentioned in our last episode, is they strictly discourage any kind of dual relationships because they can get tricky. And I Mm -hmm. think especially if we look at Kyra and Jug in this situation, there is a lot of power imbalance in this relationship, as you can expect in a therapeutic alliance, just because of the nature of the interactions that you do have coming in as a client, you're going to be sharing a lot more about your life, struggles, anything that's really going on with you. And you might not get that same level of information from your therapist because they're there to help you and not really, it's not really a mutual relationship in that sense. So there would be this big power imbalance for Kyra and Jug, where Jug would have a lot more knowledge about Kyra's life than she does of his. And this could definitely impact their relationship and it could cause other concerns. And so you really don't want to dive into that area of dual Mm -hmm. relationships that can be a bit more challenging and not necessarily what you might hope it would be. Exactly. And who's to say that the jug that she meets in therapy is how he would be in a relationship with her, for example, Mm -hmm. right? So he's also going through his own relationship problems in the film that he reveals. Mm -hmm. And so there are clear demarcations between, okay, this is therapy and this is personal life, right? Mm -hmm. And so wanting to keep those separate. And I think even in Goodwill Hunting, the idea of dual relationships sort of came up in my head when Will is encouraged to attend therapy and is actually part of the requirements for him to leave on bail Sean is encouraged to be the therapist by the professor Lambeau and that was interesting because Sean is not only serving as the therapist for Will but he's also being asked to do it by his previous roommate from college right so there are these two sides of it where he sort of agreed to this with someone else but also 
is trying to take care of the client themselves and that could be challenging because we know that if you've seen the film or and not to spoil it but if you've seen it there are these contrasting opinions between the therapist and the professor that's working with Will so the professor really wants him to focus on his career and do something with his mathematical skills right and then Sean is there who's more so trying to support him emotionally uncover some of the things that he's gone through in his childhood and that can be really challenging being in those two relationships and experiencing that intense strain that I think Sean was experiencing in that situation. Yeah, and and it's tricky because you don't want to have those little relationships. You don't know Mm -hmm. what hat you'll necessarily be wearing in what moments. So in that case, is Sean more obligated to his client who would be Will in this situation? Or is he wanting to really support his prior roommate? So it, it gets really messy in that sense as well. So best you can do is to avoid them ultimately, but... We acknowledge how it can be a little challenging at times. And and these movies aren't perfect by no means. Exactly. They're just various situations that come up. And I think it's it's nice to have an opportunity to actually talk about how things were in the movie and what we can learn from it and see how they tackled it and how we might differently approach it and just see it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to see that a lot of these concepts do apply to many different films. And so mm-hmm. it's not uncommon the same way it isn't in movies. It's also not uncommon in actual therapy settings. And so normalizing that, having conversations about it with a client openly can only help the relationship and, and build rapport and let people sort of expect that this is common, it's okay to feel this way, especially with transference. And how can we use this therapeutically and sort of move forward from it in a way that's helpful for both the client and for the therapist. So I I really appreciate that they brought up these concepts, even though some of them might have been more subtle than others, but it gives us a chance to discuss it. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that uh, goes well within the boundaries is when we're looking at how Sean reacted to when Will was talking about his wife. Mm -hmm. And I remember that jumping out to me and seeing how that was quite unprofessional. I remember, I think it was Sean that grabbed Will's neck and was like, hey, you know, like you cannot be talking about this. And then I think he kicked him out after that session, even though he Mm -hmm. was like, it's fine. I'll take him on as a client and I'll see him again. But that could have been a very defining moment for their relationship as therapist and client just because it was quite an out there uh, reaction to have. And I know, you know, Will was provoking Sean. However, it doesn't give Sean the right (laughs) to do what he did do. It was that outward aggressive reaction. Yeah, I think it's a great teaching moment, actually, when I saw it, too, about how important it is for a therapist to keep their emotions in check not to say that you can't be emotional in a session but more so be aware of things that are triggering for you aware of things that really cause big emotional responses because you don't want to be having that in a session right it can be very interfering for the therapeutic process again the the client is there um, seeking support you're not there <laughs> seeking support right so really the focus is the client and sometimes I think in in Goodwill Hunting especially I noticed a lot of back and forth about each other's lives it was almost like they were doing therapy for each other in certain mm-hmm. ways and uncovering things and I think Sean did mention after his outburst with Will and getting really physical that he did take some time to reflect on it and and think about why he reacted that way and I think that's important but of mm-hmm. course that's something you want to be doing on a 
very ongoing basis. And at least for us, we've been taught that if you're new to a certain area of psychotherapy, you're typically going to have some sort of a supervisor. And so they're a great person to go to to discuss these kinds of feelings when they're arising and to see that is this something I can cope with and manage my emotions about? And if not, like if a client is really pushing your buttons in a certain way, sometimes it, it's a better option to refer them out or find them another professional just because it's hard to keep those boundaries and make sure that you're not physically assaulting a client, which is something we definitely don't want to be doing. No, no. And I think it's 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 good that you mentioned about seeking support from your supervisor or mm-hmm. anything else. I remember in one of our classes, I believe our professor mentioned how there are various groups that you can be a part of as a professional where you mm-hmm. get together with other professionals and talk about your experiences, almost like you're supporting one another through your practices and I think that can be very nice to have that support system around you not only in a professional setting but also in a a private and personal setting so not only do you have friends and family that you can go to when you're wanting to rewind but having that professional support because as a therapist you do have to maintain a lot of confidentiality and you cannot Mm -hmm. talk about your work and sometimes that can be straining So I think it's nice to have professional supports around you that let you manage your emotions like you were mentioning, Navia, and Mm -hmm. and really keeping everything uh, while keeping yourself well. So, you know, you can you can you can be the best version of yourself for your clients. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something I noticed with Goodwill Hunting, where it didn't seem like Sean had much of a social support or a professional support. And that could be extremely challenging for him, especially when you're working with a client that isn't willingly coming to you. Mm -hmm. uh, Will willingly. But yeah, he's not, (laughs) you know, it's not his choice. He's being forced to do it based on his conditions. And that can be incredibly difficult for a therapist, right? So if the client isn't cooperating and we saw that Sean was very patient, but not having the support at that time for a therapist can be incredibly difficult and then for a jug I mean we don't see too much during the therapeutic process but we see that Kyra first hears about jug at a convention that she's overhearing and there's that group of professionals sort of addressing the public addressing the media and I think that's great to have um, to be able to talk to other professionals about these situations and Mm -hmm. use each other's strengths and weaknesses that's definitely something I've noticed in our placement too how multidisciplinary the field really is and how everyone can bring something to the table and work on a case that's especially challenging so I love that collaborative nature of of the field and I think we didn't see too much of it in the films but is definitely the reality in a lot of the environments where therapy occurs yeah and another area that I thought was neat and cool to discuss is boundaries around silver linings playbook Mm -hmm. so the one that I'm thinking about is when I don't know if everyone remembers this but there is a scene where Pat goes and he sees his therapist outside of his session so I remember they were at Mm -hmm. a a football game was it yeah and they happened to run into each other and I think that the interaction that they had was quite friendly and I think the therapist was like oh you know I'm not working right now so Mm -hmm. it's fine we can hang out like friends maybe he might not have said that in those exact words but that was what it came off as and I think that touches on how one would react outside of a professional setting and how we were told to address those interactions and situations was that oftentimes you would really be careful about how you are to approach your client outside Mm -hmm. of your office just because you don't know how they might want to interact with you. It also depends on who is around them and what others know about their situation. So I think that 
one thing that can be very helpful is that if you have these conversations beforehand so mm. you can actually set certain things in place so if you are to interact with someone beyond your office you know exactly what the person wants to do and what they don't want to do and I think that something that was shared with us is that you shouldn't necessarily approach your client wait for them to approach you so you know that they're comfortable talking just so you're respecting their boundaries and their wishes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that links to confidentiality and consent and how important that is in therapy. We don't really see an in-depth consent process in any mm-hmm. of the films. And I mean, it's a movie ultimately. So part of the reason could be that it's relatively boring and there's a lot of just back and forth question and answer going on with consent and confidentiality. But it's so important in, in real life to actually address those. And we see that a lot of therapy sessions in all three films, or I guess at, at least Goodwill Hunting and Dear Zindagi, they happen outside of the office. And that's something that really needs to be considered. You need to get confidentiality agreements for that, right? And, and talk about, well, if, if we see someone who you know how how do you address that situation but also consent of the client you don't usually do it the way that happened in Dear Zindagi where you leave a note on the door and say hey meet me at the beach and you just sort of show up at the beach you want the client to be informed and have a sense of what this entails what the purpose is as well we're not just doing it for the sake of a, a new place that we get to see or a new environment there there should be some sort of therapeutic purpose I imagine um, mm-hmm. for doing something like that and so if it is an exposure for example those do occur outside of the office typically depending on the exposure style so for example people might go into an elevator that's outside of a building or in a different building and do that there so that's kind of interesting but of course there's a big process that goes into it beforehand the client is walked through in it and that's sort of missed out in a lot of the films yeah and I think even with Goodwill Hunting there is a similar mm-hmm. scene where Will and Sean suddenly go to the park and have yeah. and I think they're like okay today's <laughs> session is just going to be outside and like you said Navia where there's a lot more planning that goes into it not just okay today I feel like going to the beach so we (laughs) shall go to the beach so I think it's important to recognize when things might be a little different in movies for the cinematic experience just so things are nicer and (laughs) how they might be in reality usually you are in a more controlled environment unless otherwise indicated and that's usually for an exposure and what Mm -hmm. we mean by exposure is that exposures are certain I guess activities that you can take part of where you're trying to work on something that you might be struggling with so if let's say you have a fear of dogs and you really just do not like to be around any dog in general an exposure you can do or something that you can do to start working on those fears or those thoughts is that you can start off by thinking about a dog and then maybe going out and actually petting a dog seeing a dog walking a dog just getting those limited exposures so to say towards a dog so you can start to overcome that fear possibly so in this case if you were to go out it would generally be for an exposure or when you're working on an activity to combat something and that wasn't really the case in either deers and the gi or goodwill hunting so there would be a lot more planning and reason for you going out 
so that's something that you necessarily wouldn't see and something that was interesting and i think we noticed it when we were talking about goodwill hunting is that there was a lot of self-disclosure that was mentioned Mm -hmm. and i know i think i recognized it the first time when they were at the park and sean was talking about his wife and what happened and that's generally not something that you would do i I guess every therapist is different and they use self-disclosure differently but generally the way we were taught is that you would use self-disclosure if it's helping the therapeutic process and it's if it's Mm -hmm. relevant to what you are talking about exactly yeah so it's usually not something where there's a back and forth conversation Mm -hmm. that this is how my childhood was how was your childhood that usually doesn't happen and you see glimpses of that with dear zindagi as well when they're on the beach and he's asking kara about her childhood and she's really not willing to go down that path and share. So she turns the question back around and asks him, well, tell me about your childhood. And he actually does share a little bit. But typically, we wouldn't do that unless there's a purpose for it. If it's building rapport or there is a specific therapeutic reason, then that's something we would consider. And again, with the consideration comes thinking through, well, if I do share this information, what sort of reactions might the client have? There's a lot more planning that goes into it more than we see in the films at least Mm -hmm. so I think that's a great point about the self-disclosure it's not as open as we see it and I think self-disclosure also links to the emotions that you're feeling right so how much of your emotions do you want to disclose it's Mm -hmm. okay to have emotional reactions to certain things like if a client is grieving about something it's okay to also be empathetic towards that but not to then start crying in therapy and that's a very different situation so having that that certain sense of emotional regulation and knowing that there's a purpose for me reacting in a certain way or sharing certain information and what that purpose is and I think that links well to the structure of therapy how we were talking about going to the beach or going to the park for therapy at least in Goodwill Hunting and Deer Zindagi it's definitely a lot more psychoanalytic talk therapy style I found it doesn't seem like there's a certain fixed set of sessions it's sort of until we want them to go on even when therapy was ending for Deer Zindagi Kyra didn't seem to be all that aware that therapy was ending soon and I think he told her the session before that next week is our last session. And typically clients would know on the onset how long therapy is generally going to last. It's okay if it lasts a little bit longer, like if the they both agree that we need a little bit more time. But that's typically a conversation that's had ahead of time, not something that's sort of thrown onto a client. And I think that's kind of unusual the way that they were sort of approaching that entire therapeutic process yeah and i think uh with dear zindagi i remember the first time kyra walked into jug's Mm -hmm. office she initially was like so how does this work yes and and they and they briefly do talk about oh what's gonna happen and i think jug does ask her okay so what's been bothering you what's Mm -hmm. going on but there isn't a formal intake process and i think we Mm -hmm. might be a little biased because (laughs) our classes are very much cbt focused and our experiences have been more around cbt or other structured therapies so i think our our brains might (laughs) automatically jump to where's the structure in this but it was interesting to see that generally what we know is that there is an intake process where you do get to learn more about the background of a client and also what their goals might be before you actually jump into Mm -hmm. therapy and then and start working on some of those goals through various skills or whatever it is that you're doing in that therapy setting so it was interesting to see how Indira's in the gi was very much like let's take it as it is day by day and I think this was also very common in Goodwill Hunting where it was Mm -hmm. more so relevant on 
what was happening in that moment or what Will wanted to talk about then rather than okay, well, we have an agenda today. This is what we're going to do. Do you have any questions? Do you have any feedback? Or how's how's that going to work? And mm-hmm. I think that that was interesting to see that it was so unstructured. And I think this is quite common in movies or any mm-hmm. pop culture, really, that there Definitely. isn't generally a structure that they follow. It, it is very much like what's relevant in that moment or if something comes up, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that links to our last episode with the myths, right? That we're in therapy, you just walk in and you you just talk about things that you want to and you leave. Mm-hmm. Certain therapy modalities might be more like that, but not all of them for sure. And it seems like the movies definitely skew towards that talk therapy side of things where, mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting down with a notebook and sort of writing down everything someone's going through. And I think that's interesting. I wonder why that's the case. I wonder why that's sort of the image of therapy that they typically rely on. But one cool thing that I liked about Dear Zindagi is that they incorporated home homework and I think oh, when yeah. I heard him when I heard him assign homework I got you know I jumped a little I was so excited <laughs> because homework is a big part of CBT and so I was like cool there's a little bit of structure and I think her homework was something like talking to each of her parents so nothing formal where you're writing down but that is still a style of homework and it's it could be thought of as a little bit of a, a behavior experiment which we could go into another episode or an exposure like Pravner was talking about mm-hmm. and I think it's super cool that he assigned it she had some concerns about it and typically I think we would address those concerns and be like why do you think this might be too challenging let's discuss what kind of homework would be reasonable for you to complete but he, they also took up homework the last the session after which was super cool because that is typically how we do it with CBT so I was yeah. happy to see that part Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even talking about what obstacles you think you might face yes. and how can we address those so it might be a bit easier for you when you are doing that goal of yours or whatever it is that your homework might be. So yeah, it was it was kind of neat. I totally forgot mm-hmm. about that homework aspect. So that was pretty neat. And with that, it was really interesting to actually look at these movies or rewatch some of them with our therapist hat on. I know that when I watched them initially, there were a lot of things I didn't pick up on that I did Mm -hmm. the second time around when I was being more analytical of everything and actually seeing what was happening when and was there a reason behind it. So it was kind of cool to get those two perspectives, but it was really nice to have a conversation on what's happening in pop culture and how therapists are viewed. And I think we'd love to talk more about maybe some TV shows or other movies. So we'd be happy to revisit this episode on another future episode if people are interested in hearing more about pop culture and how therapists are viewed in pop culture. So let us know what you think about that. And yeah, just as we're wrapping up, uh, we wanted to share that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. And any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and your well-being. Yeah, and with that, we just wanted to share some resources with you. The first resource we have is Good to Talk, which is a confidential mental health support for post-secondary students in Ontario and Nova Scotia. There is also Kids Help Phone, which is a free counseling and a free crisis text line service offered 24-7. They are targeted toward the youth population, but they have lots of great mental health resources on their website that you could also 
check out if you just want some more information about what they offer. There is also Connects Ontario, which is an information and referral service. They are focusing on services for mental health, addiction, and problem with gambling in the province. They can be reached over the phone, chat, or email 24-7 as well. There is also Wellness Together Canada, which is a free mental health and a substance use portal for anyone in Canada. They help you get connected with the appropriate resources. So with these, we also want to encourage you to explore your own local resources. And if there are any other supports that you know of, we do encourage you to seek whatever you think is necessary for you. In terms of connecting with us, you can always hear from us in our podcast. But aside from that, you can contact us through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com, our Instagram page, which is at so tell me more podcast, and our new Facebook page, which is also at so tell me more podcast. So hopefully you can check those out for future updates. And it's a great way to share some of your feedback about what you're interested in hearing in our podcast, especially for these TV shows. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear some of your ideas any interpretations you want us to really explore and we'll do our our homework before releasing that podcast and if you like what you hear please subscribe to our show in apple podcasts spotify amazon music and google podcasts as well as anywhere else that you're listening right now yeah and with that we'd just like to say thank you so much for listening we hope you learned something new or even just enjoyed talking more about these various psychotherapy roles or therapy roles within pop culture we're excited to continue exploring various topics through our future episodes but for now stay safe and take care